Ephesians, the book of Ephesians is one of my favorite books in the entire Word of God because as a, as a prior military guy, uh, it helps me because I call it my book of spiritual boot camp. Amen. Uh, I know when people first get saved, preachers like to send them over there to the Gospel of John because it talks about the love of God and it reinforces the love of God in their lives. And when they first get saved, I like to send them to 1 John and then 2 John and then 3 John because when people first get saved, you want them to read their Bible, but you can't give them too much. Amen. You don't, send, you don't take a new convert and send him to the book of Chronicles. <laughs> Because you'll lose him fast, amen. Once he gets past the fourth or fifth chapter of nothing but uh, names in First Chronicles, he's through reading the Bible, amen. You don't send a new convert straight to the book of Revelation. Because then you'll confuse him and scare the fire out of him, amen. Because he doesn't know what's going on. He thinks when he sees all of that stuff, he starts putting himself in there like it's going to happen to him. And he doesn't realize we shuck out of there in Revelation chapter number 4. When he said, come up hither, we're gone, amen. And all that other stuff uh, from chapter number 6 on out to 19, that belongs to everybody else, amen. And by the way, it's a strange thing. We're not even thinking about it because we're up there in the presence of the Lord Jesus looking at to his wonderful face, and we're going to be singing praises, the songs of the redeemed, while the devil is down here causing chaos to people who would not trust Christ as their personal Savior, amen? And there's going to be people down here who have heard a clear presentation of the gospel that would not receive him as their personal Lord and Savior, and according to the Word of God, the Bible says God's going to send them a strong delusion that they're going to be a, uh, believe a lie. In other words, if you had a chance to hear the gospel and get saved and you perpetrated, God says when the rapture takes place, you cannot get saved. Amen? Yes. Terrifying thoughts. Terrifying thoughts. And so, so you don't give that to a new convert because then he's scared out of his mind. Either that or he gets into robo-witnessing. Robo, uh, uh, Bless God, you better get it because you're going to go to hell. You just, just go to hell. I don't want you to go to hell. He'll just talk hell. He'll talk hell. He'll talk hell. He'll talk hell. He'll talk hell. And people will say, well, I'd rather go as long as you're not going to be there. <laughs> hey, folks, but you tell people about the love that's liberated them, and then they'll fall in love with the Lord Jesus like we all should be. Amen. Amen. Your life and my life should be a love relationship with the Lord Jesus. By the way, you might as well fall in love with him. The church is the bride of Christ. Mm. Amen. Yeah. And by the way, you should love your bride. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. And so you might as well be in love with him. So, but when it comes down to it, I take people, when I start discipling them, I start taking them through the spiritual boot camp, amen? And Ephesians is my spiritual boot camp. This morning in Sunday school, we started looking at Timothy, and Timothy in 1 Timothy, he's about to be handed the reins of the church at Ephesus, where the school was, where the discipleship programs developed from. He was about to be handed the reins of that place, and Paul was trying to let him know about this place, let him know what to expect, because 
later on down the line, he says, everybody's not going to handle this thing like you think they should. Some people are going to reject this. Some people are going to follow doctrines of devils. And they, even from this church, because when Ephesus, when those folks at Ephesus got saved, they had all of these curious arts that they were doing. They had all of this stuff, and they brought all of those wicked books, those wicked magazines. They brought all that stuff, and they burned it, amen. They tried to get as much of that out of their lives as they could. The goddess Diana, who they was worshiping, they began to get all of that stuff out of their lives. The silversmith or the coppersmith, they got him out of the way. I mean, they just tried to clean their lives up, and that church began to be recognized, not by their legalism, but they got recognized because of their love for the Lord. Amen. In the end, in Revelation chapter number 2, the Lord begins to rebuke this very church. And he says, here's why I got a problem with you. You left your first love. You didn't lose it. You left it. You left it. The thing that should have motivated you to go out there and give more and do more and say more and live better and do all these things for the Lord, the things that should have caused all of those to happen was, should have been motivated out of your love for the Lord and the love and his passion for others. The thing that should have pushed you to the brink of joy and jubilee, he said, you left it. And so now you just go to church. Now you scrutinize and criticize but you don't evangelize. So this spiritual boot camp here, he tries to put them back into some positions. First of all, let me show you this here just very quickly. In, in, in Ephesians chapter number one, he lets you know what it's all about. Do you know what it took to get you saved? Do you really understand that? I, oh, it took the blood of Christ. Let me tell you something. It was a carefully uh, thought out program and plan. In Ephesians chapter number one, you'll find out something. Listen to this here just for a few seconds here. It says here in Ephesians chapter number one and verse number three, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, according as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in what? In love. In love having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according, listen to this, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace. Now think about that for a moment. The Father planned your salvation. That's right. You weren't an afterthought. God planned it, and he planned it, verse number six, to the praise of his glory. Amen? When you get saved, God gets the glory. When others get saved, God gets the glory. When you go tell people about Jesus, God gets the glory. The Father planned it. Look down here a little further. It said in verse number 7, In whom we have redemption through the blood, forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath uh, uh, abounded towards us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to the good pleasure which he hath purposed in himself. Look down here for a little further to verse number 12, that he should be to the praise of his glory. The Father planned it in his good pleasure, the son purchased it. The son purchased it. And by the way, he purchased it that we should be to the praise of his glory. 
When you and I accept the purchased possession of the Lord Jesus Christ, God gets the glory. Got it? Now, Father gets the glory. The Son gets the glory. Who did we leave out? Well, you're going to get that too, but he, we got the Father, the Son. We're talking about the Trinity here. Because everybody had to get involved. You ain't no easy person to save. Matter of fact, your life and my life are wrecked real deep. Oh, yeah. Amen. It's in our DNA, in our blood that we're sinners. You're not a sinner because you sin. You sin because you're a sinner. And it's in your DNA. It's in your blood. You couldn't help but be a sinner. The Bible said, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is no big eyes and little U's. There's, you know, they used to categorize sin by color. That's a little white lie. That's a black. It's all a lie. Amen. And we're looking at these things here. We don't get a hold of the fact that God says, hey, you're a sinner through and through. So it took all, it took the entire Godhead to rescue one sinner. And they did it for one sinner. And as far as I'm concerned, that one sinner was me. Because I've got to be honest with you. Don't, don't let this get out. The only person that I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that's saved here today is me. <laughs> All you other smiling people are suspect. I got to listen to what you say and only I can take you by your word but the only person I know for sure who's saved here today is me because I don't know your hearts I don't know the intent of your heart I don't know what you did I don't know when you did it I don't know why you did it I don't know what you got saved from I don't have any clue about any of those things all I know is that you're sitting in the house of God clothed and apparently in your right mind now you may not be in that part but that's all I know. I know I'm saved. And my goal is to see that anybody else under the sound of my voice has the opportunity to hear the gospel. Amen. Amen. Which is even, and by the way, if they can't get under the sound of my voice, I've got to find some way to get them under the grace of God. Because it's to his glory that we're dealing with. Amen? So the Father gets the glory. The Son gets the glory. Guess who's left in the family? The Holy Spirit. He said, in whom also, verse 13, also you trusted after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and whom also after that ye believed ye were sealed with who? There he is, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession. And watch us here. Unto the what? Unto the praise of his glory. When you get saved, the Father gets the glory. When you trust Christ, the Son is glorified. When you trust Christ, the Holy Spirit has the privilege of keeping you saved to the glory of God the Father. And when you look down here a little further, look at verse number 18. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what is the riches of what? The glory of his inheritance in the saints. The Father gets the glory, the Son gets the glory, the Spirit gets the glory, and they give the glory. You and I are glorified in Him. Wow. 
That's pretty powerful stuff for you and I. He said in, in chapter number one, I want your eyes of understanding to be open so you know what you got. Because if you know what your instructions are, if you know what you got, he's saying maybe, just maybe, you'll start living according to the blessings that God says that we have and the, God, the blessings that God said that he gave us. You'll be appreciative. How many of y'all parents give to do things for your children and you want them to be appreciative of it? And when they're not appreciative, how many of y'all are happy? Oh, they don't appreciate it, but I just had the joy of giving it to them. God wants us to know what we got. Now, over here in Ephesians chapter number 3, give you just a, a quick two-point two outline as far as the book is concerned. Chapters 1, 2, and 3 deal with the principles, how you got saved, what you got saved from, who was all involved in it, how you were quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, and how God made you alive, amen? He said, don't be fooled by this thing here. We were all subject under the wrath of God because of the prince of the power of the air. We were all there, but God tore down the middle walls. God opened up a way, and God invited us all into the Holy of Holies. He invited us in there, and we get saved through those things here, amen? And so when we get the first three chapters, it's the principles of the thing. But when he gets to chapter number four through six, he deals with the practice. He said, now I want you to walk. I want you to show people what great things God has done for you. Amen. Preacher, it's hard to find people anymore that want to walk for God and do things. I praise the Lord. Who's the lady who's, who went on visitation? Praise the Lord. You know how, how often we would love to have more people go? who are more able-bodied to go, who can do and walk further and do more things. What a blessing. What a blessing. We would like to get younger people to go because y'all got, got stronger legs. Y'all can work a, walk a whole lot further, knock a whole lot more doors. And by the way, when you show that you're happy young people, man, you put a smile on other young people's faces. Amen? So let's go back over here to chapter number three. And what time is service normally over, preacher? Good, 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 good. It's okay. I watched the service. One of the evangelists, uh, the uh, guy who just preached your revival, by the way, he did a powerful job. Well, I was listening to what he was saying on there, and I was excited the way he started off that Sunday morning with that revival. I mean, he just, he just skinned the cat and walked the dog. Amen. I mean, it was just exciting watching and listening to him, and I was thinking, how could they stand there and listen to all of this? I ran out the room, and it was on tape. I should have just turned the thing off, amen? <laughs> but I couldn't get away from the truth of it. I heard your pastor preach, and I hear the pastor and the, po uh, the, the passion and the power in his voice because he just wants God's people to do God's will. And it's a marvelous thing to hear it. As he's coming down here, uh, he says, uh, you know, uh, in my heart, I want to see things done for God. He said that in verse number five of chapter number three, which in other ages was not made known uh, unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ by the gospel. He said that the Gentiles can now hear the gospel, that the whole world, the gospel is available to the whole world. The gospel is available to deal with every nation, every tribe, every tongue. Like I said, when I was in Belgium, I had 17 nations represented in our church, amen? One of the most awkward times in my life, because we like to sing happy birthday to people, amen? One of the most awkward times in my life is when those nations got together and they decided they wanted to sing happy birthday to me. I used to pick with them. I would just say happy birthday several times, and they got me. And 17 nations began 
began to sing happy birthday to me in their native tongues. And I had to stand up there to hear several, uh, 17 nations in their renditions of uh, happy birthday. And some of it sounded really strange because some people, they don't seem to have any syllables. It's like, it's like, dear Lord, I don't even know what he's saying. They're speaking in tongues and I'm allowing it, amen. And they say, we're just singing happy birthday to you, amen. Happy birthday. And so it lets me know uh, we had Turkish people who would get saved and Greek people get saved. The Turks and the Greeks have problems. They didn't want to relate to each other because of a, the, a dispute over a place called Gibraltar. And, they, and Cyprus, they, wanted to, they didn't want to have any dealings with each other. But the, the, they were all part of the NATO alliance, amen. So we had the Turks uh, come into church and we give them the gospel and they leave Islam and they trust Christ as their Savior. And then we had the Greeks who thought that they were born saved, amen. And they leave that Greek orthodoxy and trust Christ as their Savior. And when these two got saved, they began to eat together, fellowship together, their families, drive back and forth to church. And it lets you know that Christ can still tear down walls. I remember the Greek guy got saved because he was going to the club. And when he went to the club, they stamped his hand. And he, held, he knew enough of the Bible to know that the, you don't receive the mark of the beast. And when they stamped his hand, he couldn't see it. But when they put his hand underneath that thing, that light, they could see it. And he freaked out. He said, oh, no, I've received the mark of the beast. I'm doomed to go to hell. And one of the, preacher, one of the folks from our church, he's now pastoring. I led this guy to the Lord in his living room. He's now pastoring in uh, Lincolnton, North Carolina. He comes over there, and the guy comes over. He says, uh, uh, Mr. Herndon, or uh, uh, Sergeant Herndon, this is what happened to me. And he says, oh, what am I going to do? And he picks with him. Oh, you got the mark. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh, there's nothing you could do. You're on your way. And he started picking with him. A guy, a Greek guy started crying. But he shared the gospel with him. Yeah. He said, that's not the mark. You don't have to worry about that mark until, you, until the rapture takes place. Right now, you still have time to get it right. And that guy got saved. And preacher, I remember saying, we were in a Sunday school class and we were teaching in the book of Acts. And um, he, he came across in there and he said in the Bible, he looked over there and he saw his hometown. He said, he ran up with the Bible. He said, Pastor Betty, Pastor Betty, look, this is where I'm from. This is Samothracia. This is where I'm from in Greece. And by the way, I used to like it because I said, in the Greek it means this. He says, it's right. That's what it says. And I was thinking, yeah, you're talking to a Greek scholar here, amen. And they was going through all of these things here. He said, see my city. It's here, Samothracia. Oh, I'm so blessed. Now I can go back and tell my family. I said, hey, wait a minute now. My city's in there too. I took them to Revelation. See, in Philadelphia. <laughs> they knew these places. They were getting involved. That door was, that, open, that avenue was opened up. He said, wherefore, whereof I made a minister according to the gift of, of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. Unto me, who am less than the least of all saints. Number one, I got a person here that God used that in all reality, like us, an insignificant person. Nobodies. Most people will never have a reputation. Most people will never be known for anything. We'll just be some simple folks who came into this world, did simple things, and then we'll go off into eternity. 
We won't be known for our scholarly attributes. We won't be known for our political bias or agenda. We won't be known, not unless you're rich, for a lot of money. And if you're rich, I'd like to know you. Uh, you know, we won't be known for any of that stuff. But God can still take somebody like me, a high school dropout out of the inner city of Philadelphia who was involved with gang wars and race riots, if you can put the two together, and take that guy, that high school dropout, and send him around the world preaching the gospel and making him into something. And he's just an insignificant person. Those titles, that stuff, it don't mean nothing to anybody it doesn't mean any that much to me because I realize and still realize, like Paul said, I'm the least of saints over here. He says, I'm, not, I'm less than the, the apostles. I'm nothing. I'm nothing. But God's willing to use me to talk to somebody. You know, he used a little boy in a crowd yeah. of over 15,000 people, and he had a few loaves and a few fish and God used that little boy to feed that great crowd. And, and, and then he, just, just to be used, uh, just to have something, just to be that insignificant person that God can use to make a difference. I mean, I, 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 I look back, at, and even with Jehovah Jireh, Brother Bossy will tell you, if you ever meet him and spoke with him face to face, he'll tell you. He said, I was nothing. I was a drunkard. I was this. And he gives his history. Look at the tape. Look online. You can see it. And his history was a terrible one. But God gave him enough wisdom, gave him enough grace, because he said I did it in ignorance and had him to start businesses and do these things here and then he took all of that with this insignificant person and brother White when you look at brother Bossy he doesn't he doesn't drive around in a in a Rolls Royce brother I was coming up this way <laughs> and in the middle of these cornfields and these silos and all this there's a car coming up the way, and it was a white Rolls Royce with a blue top I don't know if y'all know the guy the person and as I was seeing it come down the road, I was saying, why? What's it doing here? I mean, who, where's all this act where people can drive down the street in Rolls Royces in the middle of this? How does it happen? Brother Bossy doesn't drive around Rolls Royce. He drives a, a Toyota. And uh, he drove a Toyota Avalon until literally the wheels almost fell off that puppy. <laughs> He would hit buttons and he would hit buttons to put up the screen and you hear I think it's bossy. I mean you should be driving around in a in a in a Rolls Royce or Jaguar. You should be riding around with all these things. He said, I'm not gonna waste God's money on that junk. He doesn't fly first class. He's back there with the rest of us with the luggage. Amen. I, I think if he had his way, if he could save some money, he'll let you strap him to the wing. He's not. <laughs> We're insignificant people that God uses. He said, not many wise, not many mighty, not those people are chosen. But God chose insignificant people. God can use each and every last one of us in some significant way even though we think we're nothing. In the Old Testament, he said, a little child shall lead them. Mm -hmm. I got folks who are members of our church that their children came. 
and the children said they love it. I have a family that just joined that said, my, the reason why I'm here, we used to go to this church over here, but my daughter loves it here. And so children, insignificant to many, are leading masses to the Lord. An insignificant person, me. What am I doing in Minster? I know some of y'all are wondering the same thing. What's, what's he doing here now? <laughs> Who is this guy? Does he realize his tan condition? <laughs> and I got to be careful because I don't. Because there's neither black nor white Amen. in the things of the Lord. So I'm just home with God's people. Amen. Amen. There's no intimidation. There's no fear. Amen. Uh, why? Because to be if you kill me, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Amen. <laughs> when I get scared, I tell you, I have a desire to depart. <laughs> An insignificant person. It might be you've been saving up and God lays on your heart to take this here and invest it in missions like he did Brother Bossy. And you say, I'm nobody, an insignificant person. Not only do I have this insignificant person here, look what else he says down here. Unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, I'm nothing, I'm nobody, I'm less than any of you folks, should, uh, 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 saints, is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ? I've got an insignificant person who has to execute an impossible plan. How can I preach to all these Gentiles, all these people, one person, how can I get the gospel to all of these people? And this, this says the unsearchable riches of God. Mm. I've been studying and preaching this book for over 30 years, and there's still places and areas in it that just astound me and amaze me. And I'm supposed to teach everybody to teach of all the things of God, and I can't even fathom all the things that God has in it, the little nuances, the things that God still has in store for me. I have not seen nor ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man what God has in store for them who love him. I mean, he's blessing me beyond my wildest imagination that I should, again, I, I, I've been around the world, I've been to the Philippines, I've seen people saved in every culture, every language, and all these other things like that, and I'm nobody. You check my bank account. It's double zero erased. <laughs> Not even worth putting a decimal point there. Because, and, and my wife and them, they know that, that they said, whatever you do when you give him money, if he has any money in his pocket, uh, uh, nine times out of ten, he's going to give it away. I don't know any other way. I don't need anything. I'm spiritually blessed. The bones of the righteous shall be made fat. <laughs> That's right. That, all you're looking at is big bones, big old fat bones, amen? Right with a little bit of thin skin, amen? <laughs> or thick skin, because I'm not thin skin. You, you, can't, you, you can't insult me. No, I, that stuff doesn't bother me. They call me all kinds of things because I pray and I, and I vote for Trump. You're one of them. Yeah, yeah I am. Yeah, I am. <laughs> And you're mad because I'm not one of you. <laughs> Amen. They want to call me all kinds of names. I said, you know, if you just stopped 
long enough to listen and learn where you came from and how all this stuff is here, you would never go back to that place again. How they wholesale want to murder babies. You would never want to go over there. How the original intent of all these things was a genocide of your race in the first place. And it's not the first time it happened. Go back to the time of Egypt and Moses. Go back to the time of Christ where they did this here. It's not the first time. It's always that liberal crew out there. And I don't know who's liberal now. I don't know who's not. And uh, like I say, I have no fear. If you kill me, I'm going to be promoted to the Lord. But please don't kill me. I'm looking for the, <laughs> I'm looking for the rapture, not a rap sheet. You know? <laughs> I'm an insignificant person with an impossible plan. I'm going out to Seattle, Washington here, and I'm going to be looking for some areas that need churches. And even if I found them, I don't know who I can get to go to them. Even if I found them. Portland is one of the most, the least evangelized cities in America. And I don't know when I go there what God can do or who he can use. I don't know. It's an impossible plan. It's an impossible plan. No matter, no wonder Paul's heart was always broken because he had the care of all the churches. Brother Bossy's heart is broken because he has the care of all the churches. Pastor, your pastor's heart is broken because he has the care of all the churches. He loves this place. He loves you folks. You should hear how he talks about you when he's not here. When he talks about the heartache and the pain and how he wants you to be the best, the best, the best church over here. But he still has to worry about and concern himself with the fact that other places need the God. Too. Paul was quick to say, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved, for I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. But he also had to recognize that I'm a missionary to the Gentiles. I'm going to reach these folks. This is who God called me to reach, but I can't neglect these folks. And that's what missions come in. Missions say I can reach these folks and at the same time not neglect these folks. Amen. Who can do that? We have a little jug where, up at the front of our church where when we give the offerings, preacher, the little kids can come up there and put in their offerings. And it shows them. And everything that goes in there, it's written right on there. It's going towards missions. Every, every little penny, every dime they put in there, every little thing. And if it's not up there during the time of offering, the children begin to inquire, where's it at, where's it at, where's it at, where's it at, where's it at? And so they come over there, and you see them lined up coming up there to put their money. And even little kids who can't hardly walk that good, they got their little money, and they can't hardly find, you ever see them as they're circling over the area, trying to find a way to get it in there? And don't give them any paper, because they're going to be up there for five minutes trying to get a paper dollar in there, amen? It's going to be amazing to watch them do it. That little insignificant little money that they put in there, gets the privilege of reaching a gospel and reaching somebody with the gospel over there in Lima. Yeah. Over in Wapakoneta. <laughs> in Dayton. In Georgia. In Cambodia. Yeah. Maybe over in China. The Philippines. They don't know where it's going. All they know is that they're glad to give it. That's all they know. They're looking for it. Some of us adults, that plate come around and we conveniently found a spot so we can hand it down there. We don't even look at it. 
also about traditional church, we, you talk about some, some awful giving. Some of the folks in our traditional churches back when I came out of it, all this stuff like that, they had the nerve to put money in the offering plate, preacher, and ask the usher to make sure he bring them back some change. <laughs> I'm putting a 20 in here, but could you bring me back $15 change? They never asked me that. I'm putting an offer in here. Could you bring me back $15 change? No. <laughs> Considering the back, part of the back pay that you stole from God some time ago. <laughs> I'm not bringing you back no change. What do you think this is? The grocery store? No. Give it all to God. He'll bless you. He gave it to you in the first place, you cheapskate. I'm sorry. I shouldn't be saying things like that. It's true. Folks, just let me give you this illustration, because it's true. I remember the first time I called myself giving the missions. God blessed me. He taught me how to tithe, and now he was blessing me. And I said, I'm going to get into this missions thing. And I remember I gave my first missions thing for my family. I gave $5 just ease. That was for the month. Put $5 in there. And folks, I, 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 I could tell you this here. I heard the voice of heaven, the birds singing. Cheep, cheep, cheep. <laughs> cheep, cheep, cheep. <laughs> cheep. So the next time I thought I was going to really, I was going to double it, I gave $10. And they begin to sing again, cheap, 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 cheap. <laughs> and I was listening to those birds sing every year, and every year I doubled, and every year I doubled, and every year I doubled, till even now I give more in missions than I give in tithe. By far. By far. And next time that bird say, cheap, 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 I said, you know, it's Friday. <laughs> And I still like chicken. <laughs> That's right. Say another word. <laughs> You're going to be stewed with dumplings in no time at all. An insignificant person with an impossible plan. How do you reach the whole world with the gospel? Number one, as you go into that, you need an indispensable power. He said, whereof I was made a minister, verse number seven, according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. If God doesn't do it through me, I can't get it done at all. And I recognize my limitations. And an indispensable power. God taught me how to give. God takes me through the giving. He shows me how to do it and do it right that he might get the glory. Why? Because there is an immeasurable product. Look down here in verse number 9. To make all men see what is the fellowship, everybody getting in this thing together, of the mystery which from the beginning of the world has been hid in God who created all things by Christ, Jesus Christ, to the intent that now unto the principalities, that means uh, uh, the organized evils and things, and, and, and powers in heavenly places might be known 
by the church the manifold wisdom of God. How God can use the local New Testament church and the insignificant people in it to produce an immeasurable product. None of you in here, none of us in here would be here saved if it wasn't for some other insignificant person giving us the gospel. You couldn't be saved, you wouldn't be here. You wouldn't be here. They got me in a field in Fort Bragg, North Carolina back in April 1977 how a staff sergeant by the name of Brother Rogers took an old-fashioned, hardback, brown Gideon Bible. And believe it or not, I still have that Bible. The pages are all ripped up in it. They're color-coded. I thought that, you know, I'm just going to study the Word of God. You know how you color-code your Bible and all that stuff here? Every page has colors on it. Everything that God was saying meant something to me. But that staff sergeant got involved teaching this young slick sleeve private. He shouldn't have had any coordination at all. Showed me the gospel in that field in Fort Bragg, North Carolina. And who knew, who knew that his little influence with that, and by the way, these brown bag, hardback Gideon Bibles, they're in all the hotel rooms. Amen. I think he stole that one to give it to me. But <laughs> he gave me that Bible. And I got saved in that field. And who would have ever thunk that God could take that moment, that person, to talk to another insignificant person to make such a difference in other people's lives? God's got a plan that is unmatched. Yes. Unmatched. And if you and I give in to God's plan for reaching the world with the gospel, you and I cannot fail. The early church didn't fail. One of the earliest testimonies of the church was this, these that have turned the world upside down have come hither also. Can I say this? There's no doubt in my mind with your pastor and with the people that's here. Folks, you can be a part of that same program, turning the rest of the world upside down. How do I do that? I can get involved with making sure that the gospel gets reached or sent out to every part of the world including Minster. It's an amazing thing. You don't have a Walmart, but you got Christ. I think that you're a rich city because of it. A rich place. Let God use this place. Amen? Let's stand to our feet this morning.